Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. In this episode, we talk to a real metal legend, Sabotage and Trans-Siberian Orchestra singer Zach Stevens. We talk the new TSO tour, Sabotage, and his new project, Arkin Angel. You can tell Zach looks fondly at his days in Sabotage and is grateful to be rocking out big crowds still with TSO. He was never associated with 80s glam metal. Hey, that's my name, but we find out that he liked quite a bit of it. Check it out. All right, Zach, well, welcome to the 80s glam metal cast. I've been a big fan of your music for a long time, so it's a real treat to be talking to you tonight. Hey, thank you so much, Mike. Great to be here, and I really appreciate it. So you're out on tour right now with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. How's the tour going? Going really good. Um, We're uh, going back to, you know, there's stories with TSO, you know, stories of Christmas, and there's probably a trilogy of three different stories that we've ever done, and we're going back to the first story ever, the one they toured with 21 years ago. Um, So we're kind of going back to the first one on the 21st uh, annual tour, and celebrating that first story that came out on the record Christmas Eve and other stories, and I actually sang on that record some background vocals in the first uh, in '97. Nice. <laughs> so it's like feel like I've been there since the very beginning. But um, yeah, it's going real good. We got Nashville tomorrow, and uh, we just I just went to the Jack Daniels Distillery and did a tour because I'd never done that before. It was really great. Uh, that was in Lynchburg. It's probably about an hour from here. Um, so I'm yeah, we're having a good time in Nashville. Are you playing with any uh, old band members or rockers that my listeners would know? Uh, yeah, in the band, we've got Christopher Caffrey on guitar uh, in, in the East Band. There's two bands. we got West and East. But in the East TSO band that covers the East in Canada, um, we got Caffrey on guitar, and we got Jeff Plate, the drummer from Sabotage, uh, as, uh, who's the drummer of TSO East. So we have three of the... Of the six, uh, you know, active, uh, you know, latest sabotage members uh, in this East band. In the West, they got Johnny Lee and Al Petrelli. John Oliva does not, you know, tour with either group, but, uh, you know, of course, a founder and major music writer for TSO. So we kind of are evenly split between the two bands as the, the original sabotage guys. Trying to keep you guys apart. Do you cause a lot of trouble when you're all together? <laughs> of course. No, no, it's the, you know, you know, we're a little older now, so there's a whole lot less trouble than it used to be. <laughs> we're just kind of like, just try to go day, at, you know, day by day. We take it one day at a time and, uh, but we still have a lot of fun. And as long as we're having a, a good time and, and all the instruments are working well, vocal instruments and whatever instruments everybody, you know, does, um, then we're going to keep on going. Uh, are you guys playing any sabotage songs on this uh, tour? Yeah, there happens to be five of them in the second half of the show. Where there's a story in the first half which sticks to the, you know, the, the Christmas story, and then in the second half we call it the jam. They actually have five sabotage songs in the 
for the first time. That's the most that we've ever had in the second half of the show. Um, I think we have the storm, uh, the mountain. It's kind of like a take on the mountain king. We got Believe, and I got Handful of Rain in there that I sing. Um, what am I missing? Anything? There's probably there's a there's a few little things they piece together. Um, but I think that might cover it. I thought it was like some of us. <laughs> I'm trying to remember this. We have it. The set list is like two and a half hours, so you have to go. Oh man, you got to really count through it. Oh yeah, and well, I guess it was going to be Sarajevo twelve twenty four. You really technically call that a sabotage song because it came out on the Dead Winter Dead album in '96, kind of like our accidental Christmas hit that started a monster. Yeah, this started TSO. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny <laughs> so that you said that. That would be it. Because what I always do, anytime that comes on, I think I probably told my kids, my wife, I've told anybody who would listen to stories how, you know, this song came out as Sabotage, but it, you know, it really didn't do much. So then the next year they changed the name and they call it Trans-Siberian Orchestra and then it blew up. You know what I mean? So I think I've told that story to, to anyone I can tell. That's true. I mean, the fact is it did a lot. Even when it was a Sabotage song, we had a station in Tampa. It was called Mix 96 at the time. And they had a sister station in New York City. They both jumped on it, and the phones went crazy, and it just it had a lot of activity, tons of spins, hundreds of spins over the holiday season. And then it kind of spread across the country, and then we had this monster on our hands, and we didn't have anything to follow it up with. Everybody would expect a Christmas song, and yet we had the rest of the songs on Dead Winter Dead, which are great, but they're metal tunes about the pre, about the um the former Yugoslavia that broke up into like eight or nine countries. So it was a concept album within itself, but it had nothing to do with Christmas. It, there was a, you know, the Sarajevo 1224 was a song about Christmas because I think the siege of Sarajevo happened around Christmas time. And this lone um, guy from the Sarajevo National Orchestra goes down there with a cello going down there playing in the middle of it. I think he actually gets killed. And it's actually a true story. I think he actually gets killed in the battle because he refused to watch his beautiful Sarajevo go down in flames. So that's kind of the story that started it. And, um, you know, you never know what happens. I mean, Paul O'Neill came to us and said, hey, I got a new name. It's called Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Now, we were like, what? That's kind of long. I think the first thing I said was, that's a little long, isn't it? He goes, nah, that doesn't matter. And I said, I know you like that Siberian Railroad that runs across Russia. He was always really big into Russian literature. So that's how he got the name. So we were like, okay. And it just started small, and now it's a monster. So, you know, you never know how things happen in the music business. We're lucky enough to still be able to just, you know, be part of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. I mean, I'm... I'm glad that TSO was a massive uh, hit and I'm glad that you know you still have a gig with it and a lot of the guys from Sabotage do. For me you know I was in, into Sabotage before TSO as many of us were so it's always going to be Sabotage for us but I'm happy for TSO no doubt. Yeah that's true and you know I was talking to John and we were at rehearsals and stuff like that and everybody's always asking about Sabotage and you know Anything could happen at any time. When you've got the power of TSO behind you and the multimedia experience that it is on stage with movies, uh, screens, music, lights, lasers, sound, even some sabotage songs, TSO stuff, Christmas stuff, 
you can you never know what might happen i said what is you know do you, you know he said hold on to your whatever because we could get called at any time for something with sabotage so you know you can never say never i it's been a long time and we don't really know for sure but gosh with with it being so closely related to tso at any time we could get the call so we're just kind of keeping it on the positive outlook and hoping that something bigger with sabotage can happen either either in a rock theater type fashion or either another pure sabotage album and stuff like that i think it's probably more likely than not nice that's the I'm way sure, i see it i'm sure all the fans uh, that makes them very happy is there anything that has been has prevented yeah. a sabotage album from happening is anything blocking it or or is it free to happen well it's not really a block i don't think it, you know it's it's a rare situation because with sabotage it's like we're kind of a subsidiary to a large corporation that is TSO now. So if they're going to compare numbers and if they're going to look at just pure numbers, Sabotage is not going to come out and match, you know, TSO numbers of 65 or $70 million gross tour in two months time. That's just an animal that'll never be matched in the music business. That's what makes TSO special. So if they're going to compare numbers like that, it's never going to compare, but the good thing is that we're sort of a subsidiary of this monster, the TSO. So we can have a lot of opportunities and not have to worry about, if you just looked at it from a pure numbers perspective, like a your corporate CEO or something, you would think, well, Sabotage is never going to have that, so why would they bother having it? You can have that viewpoint, but, Again, they're sticking so many songs from Sabotage into the TSO set. I just see something brewing. I just don't know exactly what it is, and we don't know. We would never be told outright, you know. Um, but there's something going on, so everybody just keep your fingers crossed out there and keep the good vibes going because everybody, I'll tell you right now, everybody in Sabotage wants to do it. So that's the best part. You still have willingness, and we probably have to act fast i think we only have i asked john and said how long do you think we have till it's kind of like not doable he's probably about two years <laughs> so i kind of agree with that you know so hopefully we can get something kicked off before before it really doesn't make any sense you know what i'm saying yes well seeing that the uh, sabotage album is not in the immediate horizon i was pretty excited to hear that you have a new project coming out called ark and angel um you want to talk about that a little bit yeah i uh got asked by Frontiers Records to do a record with uh, Aldo Lenoble. He's a, a, a producer from Italy and a great guitar player who does the albums for Timo Tolki, the Abbott Records he was producing. So I sang a couple of songs on the last two Avalon albums, so, and that was released on, the latest one was released on Frontiers, the first one was not. Um, so we just had a pretty good working relationship especially on this last one the songs were really good and you know i think they saw that me and aldo work pretty good together so he has access to quite a few musicians in italy and especially he's got another band called secret spear kind of a prog metal outfit they played things like you know prog power festival in atlanta and stuff like that in the past and so we just started working on writing songs and stuff, and even my wife, Catherine, she got very involved, wrote you know the lyrics and came up with the concept of the Archon, who is in, no, in Greek Gnosticism, kind of like an angel that is the carrier 
of messages from the earth people to the gods. <laughs> so there's all kinds of wild conceptual stuff that you can put with it. But the album, Archangel, they're following the life of the Archon, who's basically an angel-type you know, figure who's depicted on the album cover, too. Um, so we just kind of got some inspiration from that character to just kind of follow through subsequent albums. Um, and I was real happy with the the music and where it inspired and the lyrics and everybody did a really great job. It, it's definitely kind of progressive metal, a little bit more on the progressive side than what people are a little bit used to from me. But it, the players are great and we were able to experiment with a lot of different, you know, music within that realm. So I think everybody's going to dig it. There's a little bit for everybody on there for sabotage bands and people who, you know, even might not be, um, we're pretty excited about it. We've got a video coming out tomorrow. I think there's a countdown clock. I'm going to do a post here in a little bit. It gives a countdown clock on a YouTube link for the video. So I think at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, you'll be able to view the whole video of the song Fallen. So Fallen is the first single. And we shot a video. I shot my part in Pittsburgh and the rest of the band shot in Italy. But you really can't even tell that we shot in different places instead of me having to go all the way to Italy. but <laughs> So we just, you know how technology is. We can do a lot without having to go vast distances. But we're looking forward to that. And you can pre-order the record uh, starting tomorrow. And I think they're probably coming out with the actual release of the record around February 12th or something like that. But pre-sales can be ordered uh, tomorrow. And people can look at the video and hopefully everybody likes it. Well, I can't wait to check that out. So uh, I'm sure everybody uh, listening will, will enjoy it too. Well, let's go back a little bit if we can. Let's go back to 1993. Now, my favorite Sabotage album is Edge of Thorns. I'm sure you hear that from a lot of people. Okay. Um, how did it all come about yeah. with you, you getting in the band? Well, I was actually playing in a band called Wicked Witch up in Boston at the time, actually with Jeff Plate, who went on to become the drummer in Sabotage after Doc Wackles uh, took a back seat um, and that's Steve Wackles and you know we never knew that we would one day be in the band I mean neither one of us like, you know, I was like I brought Jeff in later you know after Doc stepped aside but and that was in 94 but in 92 they were just listening to demos because John said well I'm gonna take a break from singing for a while and do the producing thing and kind of let Chris Oliva take the reins and, you know, run the band for a little bit. So he was all about getting a new singer. And I think I basically got lucky because my demo was the only one where, where you had a singer who's not trying to sound like John. And it actually worked in my favor. All the demos, they said they came in and everybody's just like screaming, trying to have that John sound. Yet here comes mine. It had nothing to do with it. And they were like, hmm. And Paul O'Neill's like, I think I'd probably work with this guy. So I just got really, it's you know, some talent involved, but still a lot of luck, too. So Paul called me to come visit him in his apartment in Queens, New York. And I had, I took a, I just got a rental and drove like the four hours from Boston to New York. Uh, and just kind of sat there on his couch while he played acoustic guitar and says, hey, can you sing this? He, he might do anything. He played a little bit of Bad Company, a little bit of Beatles, I mean, all over the place. And just said, hey, 
just uh, sing, you know, whatever song. And I said, yeah, and just kind of sang. And he goes, hey, that's pretty good. So I think that went good, and he called me down to do it again maybe about a month later. And that was all during 90, early part of 92. And then he said, he gave me a call and said, well, everybody likes you and stuff, so why don't you come down and, you know, go head down to Tampa. You can, we'll put you up in the hotel for a little bit so you can get a place and everything. But, you know, if you're interested in being in the band, it's, you know, you can come on down and work with us. And I was like, I, you know, I started following Sabotage like in 86 on the Power of the Night album. So I was like, this is unreal. So he goes, we're going to be writing all the stuff for this new record. And that was Edge of Thorns. But uh, we need to rehearse it all and get it ready to go into the studio over at Morris Sound in Tampa which TSO now owns that studio, by the way, and it's called Night Castle Studios because Paul bought it. <laughs> bought the entire facility. <laughs> so it does belong to TSO now. Um, so, yeah, I just got down there and started, you know, live rehearsals in a warehouse with the band, and, you know, I had to kind of change my style quite a lot from what I was doing in, in the band in Boston to what was really required in Sabotage, having to really sing powerful enough to get past those guitars, you know, and a huge stage sound they had, and it was crazy, but I was able to make the adjustments, and, you know, one thing led to another, and here we go, recording, and had a single, Edge of Thorns, the most played single in Sabotage history. I think we had something like over 500 spins at something like 70-something rock stations across America in 93. They played the single for six months. It takes like six months to have 500 spins. (laughs) <laughs> like a duration of a single. It was like, it was, it set a couple of records on its own, you know? Um, so it, you know, and Edge of Thorns was the highest selling album and, you know, some good luck and perseverance and just the will to, to rock, you know, it was all freedom back then. I was 26. I'm 53 now, still doing it. Um, but just a lot of good energy and, you know, just uh, everything worked out in the right way. Seemed like you know you hit it on the head because a lot of the metal bands around '93 were, were were tanking, right? And and a lot of the bands that were really big in the '80s were going away. But Sabotage finally got that break. I mean, that was very exciting to see. You, you know, your videos were heavily on MTV. Song was on local radio. I mean, that was exciting a time for a mm-hmm. Sabotage fan. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, especially if you're in the band or you're somebody like me, and like everywhere you go, we're doing like a U.S. tour, and you know whether it be Tampa or 98 Rock or you know any number of all those really big you know metal stations at the time. Um, even though grunge was coming in, didn't really seem to affect Sabotage. I mean, everybody still reacted very strongly to the single, and everywhere we went. I remember I would get in a car somewhere, here's Edge of Thorns playing. I'd get out of the car, go to the store, come back, here he is again. We'd go to dinner, get in the car, the song's on the radio. It was surreal to have your song, you know, just playing everywhere you went, you know? <laughs> people just poke it like, we'd get in the car and here's Edge of Thorns, the piano part kicks in and people are just like, not again, man, this guy's going to be like, but it was unreal, it was, it was amazing. So you get to Handful of Rain, and unfortunately, you know, Chris uh, Oliva passes away. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, there was obviously probably some negative times going on, going through all that that whole process. Was there ever a thought of the band ending, or no? 
Well, in the immediate time following his death and the car crash, and his wife was almost mortally taken out. I mean, she's lucky. She was lucky to be alive at the time. Passed away, I think, seven years later from even from complications from it. I mean, it was just really terrible. It was a DUI accident, and the guy had had his third DUI that hit him. So it was just, I mean, mad. You know, Mothers Against Drunk Driving was heavily involved in it. The guy went to jail for quite a long time because I think the third strike, you're out in Florida, so he served like 10 years or something, you know, for vehicular manslaughter. Um, So it was real touchy with the emotional component of that whole thing and shocking in the immediate time after the wreck we did almost hear from every member of sabotage that we all said i'm done this is horrible i don't want to hear about it anymore i quit but then maybe three months later they called us in and you know feelings change and we decided to go ahead and do handful of rain you know so it was a, lot, a gamut of emotions from just like, I quit, to like, okay, let's do it for Chris. And when we really thought about it, we know that Chris, he definitely would have said, are you guys crazy? You're not quitting. Get in there and do a record. Because that's what he would have said, and we knew it. But So we landed on the right thing. It was just, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's anytime you lose somebody, you know, a lot of times you've got two directions you could go. You could go off the deep end yourself, or you could get things back on track and say, what would that person want me to do? And I think you've nailed it on the head. Most bands come to that realization. Uh, the, the member that passed would want the band to continue, would want the music to live on. And I think Chris is probably looking down very fondly at what happened to a lot of the music he's involved with. You guys are playing it to huge audiences every night. Yeah, and we even talk about it to this day. I mean, I was having, you know, the catering and everything with Jeff the other day between shows, and with, um, and we were still talking about, man, what if Chris, you know, would have been around? What if he hadn't been taken out, you know, that night, you know, in that crazy, tragic accident that's quite, you know, kind of rare but still very tragic, you know? And I think he would have been playing in TSO. I think he would have just... Sabotage would have gone nuts. It would have been, oh, man, it could have been really, really great. But you can't, you know, look back. I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty and all that. You can't look back and get all sad. But just to let you know, we still talk about it to this day, about what if. Awesome. You know, <laughs> it's that predominant. So we let's skip ahead a little bit to Poets and Mad Men. Why are you not on that album? Well, I... We were, at the time, I had two, well, I had one very young child who happens to be 21 years old now, Cassidy, my oldest daughter. She was like two at the time. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to take a little time off because there's not a lot of activity really happening. That was a time when the activity kind of hit a very low level with sabotage. So we weren't really out on the road as much and just, I was just looking for a little bit more stability with the young baby, you know? I understand. (laughs) So I said, you know what? I'll go. Yeah. I said, I'm going to go still do music on the side, but I'm going to take a break for a while, kind of stabilize my personal situation and be there for the kids. 
Then here comes 2003, which is about three years after Poets and Mad Men or something like that. And here comes my second daughter, my youngest daughter, Zoe. She's 16 now. So I kind of took about probably nine years to just be home with the girls, <laughs> but That's still great. making circle to circle albums. <laughs> That's great. You know, that band that was active at that time. Yeah, I wanted to so bring that up. Circle I, to circle. I like it. I, I liked it because they grew up, you know, they knew who I was. And if I would have remained on the road the entire time or something, I just don't know if they would, if we would have had the same, you know, relationship and bond and everything. And it's, that really paid off. Um, and then that happened to be the last sabotage record. Cause by that time TSO was well on its way. They, you know, TSO had started in 97. So by the time you get to 2000, they're getting ready to phase it out anyway, because things taken off so fast with TSO and then the metal, scene continuing to be a little bit more limited um, as far as radio and stuff. So that's basically it. I just, I just, that was when my leave of absence happened. And uh, I kind of came back when it was time for Sabotage to go to Vakken um, in 2015, decided, well, I'll come sing with, and you know, I, I, I told him, I said, I'm ready to come back and sing with TSO and Sabotage and for whatever activity Sabotage has. And so we had a successful Vakken in front of 90,000 people. And we did a TSO show paired with Sabotage. We started out with Sabotage on one stage and then it switched. We were the first band ever in the 26 years of Vakken to actually utilize both main stages at the same time. So that was a record. And that one took a lot of planning and a lot of tech technological advances and we still had our videos and we had our screens and stuff. And, you know, that's kind of like when I really said, you know, I'm going to go back into that full time. That was only like five years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you never know where it takes you. I did a lot of stuff like, you know, like we were saying with circle to circle and stuff like that. Uh, we wound up doing seven albums in 13 years during my leave. We did five of those albums, every, one every other year, and it was fun. It was just a way to kind of be a little bit more at home uh, and not have to commit so hard to be in a way for so much of the year. So I wouldn't change it. Um, I had, I luckily had the ability to do that. A lot of people don't really have that choice, but um, it worked out, and here we are still plugging away. <laughs> in both bands <laughs> we're both technically active you know yep. sabotage is not inactive until until further notice so we're we're all on call and really technically both bands are active so that's the way we look at it well i think you made the right move because at the end of the day family is most important so i i think you made the right yeah move. but circle to circle all right, yeah i gotta talk about uh watching in silence that's another one of my all-time fave albums i mean out of reach uh, watching in silence, mm -hmm. lies, the circle. That's a kick-ass album, man. Thank you. The first one's the charm a lot of times. Then it goes and morphs into all kind of stuff. A lot of fun. Um, we didn't really have to worry too much about conforming to anything in that band. It was like, well, we can do what we feel like. You can tell from album to album. It was like, geez, it varied greatly as far as <laughs> what it sounded like. And that was kind of fun, but. 
it had its fun. Um, and now, you know, with, with Ark and Angel, we're kind of starting a new chapter of something different. Um, it's, it's a decent thing to have in there. And I think with the music and the vision and the, you know, what everybody involved brings to the table, the musicians, the writers, the, the concept, just what, you know, it's a great team. So I'm all about working with a great team um, to see if we can, you know, again, just make some waves and try to see if you can, you know, leave a mark. And it's not a, you know, it's no crazy bunch of pressure. You know, we have the ability to do multiple albums. Um, and we're going to see how things go. And if it goes good, we will. And if, if it doesn't go to our expectation, we don't have to keep pushing. But um, I think people are really going to like it. Well, I know I'm excited for it. Well, before we wrap up, though, everybody's got to understand that my podcast is called 80s Glam Metal. And we're not saying that you yeah. were ever 80s Glam Metal. But I have to ask, did you ever get into that scene? Did you dabble into the 80s Glam at all? Oh, man, definitely. Um, <laughs> I was a huge rat fan. Uh, nice. <laughs> and I was a huge Motley Crue fan. Uh, I think, I mean, Winger, uh, you can go on and on and on. I mean, I definitely, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, I was, a, I was a fan of a lot of it. Poison, you know, up to a certain extent. Um, just whatever came out. Um I would give it a listen. Of course, I still like Black Sabbath and my Dio on the side during all this, and I think that wound up coming to the forefront. Queensryche and all that stuff started kind of like, and Metallica kind of rose to the surface for me, and I, you know, and I didn't put glam, the glam acts didn't wind up being the top for me, but they were close. Um, I'm even reading a book. I'm actually reading Stephen Piercy's book right now. Sex, drugs, and rat and roll. <laughs> so it takes me back to the days where I loved rats. So I don't care. You know what I mean? I'm living this again. So the answer is yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, Zach, thanks Did I for... ever have the tights and the hair? I don't think I used that much final net. <laughs> and I don't think my pants were quite that tight. Because I just don't think it went there. But, you know, sabotage, we didn't have to have our hair so high. Or our pants that tight. <laughs> that was probably um, a good thing, right? <laughs> but thank goodness, because I didn't, I didn't suffer any permanent injuries from tight pants. <laughs> so I just want to consider myself lucky. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, but did I enjoy it? Yeah. <laughs> and I like I've been following your program for a long time just because of the name. I got to tell you, I saw it a long time, a couple of years ago, and I like I like this '80s glam metal page. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, I really appreciate you telling me that because, like I said, I've been a huge fan ever since you got in the band, so this this is great. Well, hey, thanks a lot for Likewise, talking. Likewise, that's right. Thanks for speaking with me tonight. Um, I wish you a lot of luck with the rest of the TSO tour, with the Archangel. Thank and, you, Mike. Uh, just keep rocking, brother. You got it. Thanks so much, man. appreciate you having me, and you take care, and I'll be following you as always. As a huge Sabotage fan, that was just wicked. I hope you enjoyed it. Now stay tuned for the next episode. Heavy Metal!